Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to another week of the Cape Cod Pod. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm with Peter Flaherty, as always. We are not together, unfortunately, this week. We are, unfortunately, not at Lowell Park. We are, you might be, I'm not. I'm back at home, going to be shipping out to Florida for a few days uh, to catch up some FCL action very shortly. So looking forward to that. But Peter, big week in the Cape. I was down there quite a bit myself. Um, Got a couple games in. I'll get a game in tonight uh, out here in Worcester, the Polar Park Cape Cod League Classic or whatever the heck they call that game. Uh, (laughs) I will be live in attendance. So looking forward to that. You've been at games all week. Um, Let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about the the week that's uh, gone on. Got some interesting sort of races uh, not for the playoffs any longer. That's all been clinched. We kind of knew what was going to happen here. Chatham and Wareham both eliminated. Um, so it's kind of just a battle for first place at this point between Orleans and YD. There's what four games to play at this point for all teams, correct? And so there are three regular season oh, games three. left to kind of paint a picture for the standings. We've got, I'd say, most importantly, there are. I'd say there's really one battle at this point for first place, technically two, if you want to, you know, Hyannis mathematically is still in it to get first place. If Gatuit were to lose out and Hyannis were to win out. Um, but YD and Orleans is a particularly interesting race because YD is up three points or one and a half games on Orleans with three to play, but they play each other tomorrow, Tuesday, August 1st in a game that, I mean, I think more or less will decide who comes out on top in that division or at the very least make Wednesday's game matter, which for most of these teams in the playoffs, really all of these teams in the playoffs, you're going to see a lot of wonkiness on Wednesday, which is the last regular season games before playoffs. You're going to see a lot of guys who haven't gotten a ton of ABs in there, pitchers who may have not gotten a ton of innings, maybe even some position players on the mound. Guys want everyone as well rested as possible heading into the playoffs. So I'd say that's the, that's the biggest race right now. And kind of sticking in the East Orleans is, is locked into that home field advantage slot, whether it's the first or second overall seed in the East, same with YD um, Harwich is kind of deadlocked into the three spot and then Brewster in the four. And I know we, we sing Brewster's praises and coach Shevchik's praises often on this podcast, but I know we caught them live last week and they, they've lost some firepower in that lineup since we saw them, but that's still a really impressive team. And again, as I think we say weekly, Coach Shevchik and his team continually play their best baseball around this time of year. So that, yeah. I mean, YD or Orleans, they'll be on their heels and they won't take Brewster lightly. And then going down to the West, you have Katuit at 55 and first with Hyannis at 50 or two and a half games back in second. There are three games to play. So as I touched on earlier, 
it's a little bit of a long shot for the Harbor Hawks to finish in first. They still can do it. Um, and then in third with 46 points and two games behind Hyannis is Falmouth. And Hyannis and Falmouth, it's really the similar, it's the exact same case as Ketuit. Um, Hyannis owns the tiebreaker over Falmouth. Um, so for the Commodores to somehow come in second and Hyannis to come in third, Falmouth would have to win out. Hyannis would have to lose out. And of course, the two teams are playing tonight at Gov Fuller Field. And then in fourth and kind of locked into that spot are the Bourne Braves and arguably the most impressive lineup on the Cape, um, at least for from what I've seen. You have guys like Derek Bender, jo- Jonathan Vastine, Caden Bodine, Bryce Eblen, New Contratus, who's heated up lately. Um, they kind of roll five to seven hitters deep. Um per night. So really good lineup there. And these matchups are kind of starting to take shape, which is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you're looking at in, you know, an East division that I think is still once the playoffs come very much up for grabs, any of these teams um, could be any of these teams. And I think it's kind of the same in the West, um, but ticked up a notch because I think you can argue that, three, maybe four of the best teams in the league might be out in the West division right now. Um, it wouldn't shock anyone if Bourne gets hot for five or six games and ends up in the championship again, ends up maybe winning the championship again. I don't think that would shock anybody. They've been there before. They have a really talented squad, as you said, um, you know, have lost some tough games on the, on the other side. You know, Falmouth has been, frankly, just hitting the crap out of the ball over the, you know, the last few weeks um, continue to hit. Um, you know, we saw what they did on Friday, but uh, you know, have continued to hit throughout the weekend. Um, this is a team that I think, you know, kind of sort of spark plugged at the top of that lineup with, you know, Bazana. And then of course, Turley, who's really turned it on over the last couple of weeks. And we've seen him play his best baseball, particularly at the plate. Um, they can kind of cobble together some wins and outscore teams, you know, um, I think, you know, there's certainly some, some limitation with their pitching. Um, but overall uh, that offense is as scary as anybody in the league, you know, Hyannis and Kitsui are probably the two uh, most well-rounded teams. So that that's, you know, those West games, I think are almost must watch, frankly, um, probably the best, a single division has been, over the last three to four years in terms of this many really good teams that could potentially win and some intrigue in the playoffs. Um, I think it's wide open and I don't know if I felt that way last season necessarily. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'd say in the East, especially um, I, I just from seeing these teams so much, I kind of, If I were a betting man, I'd bet that Orleans or YD might come out on top. Maybe Harwich or Brewster's social team gets a hold of this if they uh, make the finals and eclipse this. But um, in the West, though, I'm I'm completely with you. I think that each any of these four teams can make the playoffs. Um, Falmouth and Bourne, in particular, would probably hit themselves there. Uh, And then, as you said, with Katua and Hyannis. this year, they're the two deepest teams that I've seen in the league. Um, and they've shown it really all year long. Hyannis, especially as of late, I know they've lost a couple in a row, but uh, you can still say and make the argument that they're the hottest team in the league right now, maybe them in Falmouth. 
Um, and as you mentioned with Falmouth, uh, Bazana up at the top, who's really probably our personal favorite player in the league, and then also the 2024 draft class potentially. Um, he had one of the best single game performances I've ever seen, seen up here. Uh, the last time they played Katuit, he went six for seven with two doubles, two home runs, eight RBI. Um, he was four for five against actual pitchers before a position player came in, but still extremely impressive. Nonetheless, um, one of the better offensive games I've ever seen a player have up here. And I mean, he's, I mean, he's gotta be the top pro prospect. I know that the scouts vote on it. They get an email sent or whatever, and they vote. I, I can't see how he's not voted top pro prospect on the season. He's sitting now 376 with six doubles, a pair of triples, five home runs, 29 RBIs in 30 games, more walks and strikeouts and 14 stolen bases. I mean, that's as good as you can get in really anywhere, yeah. but especially on the Cape, uber impressive. Uh, and then you mentioned with Turley, he's recorded a hit in eight of his last 10 games with, I think, five or six being multiple hit efforts. Yeah. Uh, we saw some struggles early on with some swing and miss, and that's certainly still a part of his game, but the approach has improved as he's, you know, just gotten his eyes hot and gotten more comfortable up here. And he's showed off that kind of five tool ability, five tool upside that made him such a heralded prospect in high school. It's thunderous bat speed through the zone. Um, he's gotten into his raw power and he's super athletic and can really run, which which I think are are two things that play to his strength when when he's manning the outfield and he's got a he's got a really good arm. So those are two exciting guys, and yeah. you know, kind of looking elsewhere, um, everyone's just retooling and and bringing guys for playoffs. One one player in particular, actually, on Falma still, and he's a sleeper, um, is Michael Aziz from Georgetown, shortstop. Yes. Um, I, I thought he looked really good against Katuit on July 28th when they played. I mean, he had two home runs and drove in six. Yeah. Uh, but I, I liked him over at shortstop. I thought the actions were pretty good. The arm, yeah. The arm played fine. He was comfortable coming in on the baseball. Um, I think that's a guy that you know you can feel comfortable with hitting in the middle part of your lineup and manning short, which obviously in general is, is such an important position, but come playoff time, you want a shorthanded guy um, up the middle. And I think that he brings that to the table for the Commodore. So um, a really valuable late addition for, for coach Trundy and company. Yeah. An early addition and in a, in a, uh, a returning addition. Cause he was, oh, that's right. right. But, you know, beginning of the season, um, really interesting player, tons of raw power, really loose athlete too. Um, that's one of the things I thought was, most impressive about him. One more thing I want to throw out there about Bazana. You mentioned some of the multi-hit games for Turley. Bazana has six consecutive multi-hit games. In five of those six, he's reached base in three or more times. Um, over his last eight games, he's got seven multi-hit games and six games in which he's reached base three or more times. Um, and over the weekend, obviously, they had that you know drubbing of Katuit where they scored 27 runs. The following two nights, they win games, I think against Wareham and Bourne, and score nine runs in each of those games as well. So um, the offense has really been kicked up to 11 for Falmouth thus far. So um, really, really interesting there. Something we wanted to talk about here, though, uh, as we sort of get into the meat and potatoes here of the show, the home runs this season. Um, maybe not from an overall perspective, um, but certainly up at the top, we have two players with multi home run summers 
for the first time, I believe, since 2012. And it's the first time anyone's had a 10 or more home runs in a single season since uh, Bobby Dahlbeck did it back in 2015. So we're talking about some stuff that's almost a decade old in terms of the last time somebody did it. And, you know, in terms of the the two players with multi-home run seasons uh, or summers, it's been over a decade. So the power is sort of back a little bit. This has been a theme in college baseball all throughout 2023. Um, do you think there's anything behind it? Or do you think it's just more Cole Mathis is a special hitter and, you know, Hunter uh, Hines has a ton of power and just happens to be in the perfect park that if you had 70 power, you could probably make this happen. That's a good question. I mean, one to start, um, they're both extremely uh good hitters and and worthy guys to be in this home run race it's it's really fun to kind of have this as a as a side plot to follow these last three regular season games um and there's also they're also in the race for the league lead in rbis Hines has 39 mathis is 38 so mathis is one behind in each statistical category um home runs across the league as you mentioned are up uh no team has hit more than 42 home runs um, in a single season since Chatham did so, I believe in 2015 it was. I will double check now. Um, or maybe 2016, but regardless, it hasn't been done in, in quite some time. Katuit has 41 with three games to play. Um, and then across the league, 246 total home runs. I think it's just kind of the direction in which the game is headed in general um, and kind of feeling some of these baseballs uh ironically enough they're they're not the best baseballs they're kind of soft and and almost almost mushy like they're not tomato cans but they aren't like big league baseballs nowadays when you feel them and you're like okay like this thing is tight it's going to be like hitting a golf ball um the bounce the bounce on it is like yeah kind of funny like yeah for sure like i i feel like it's it's in some way like you said spongy but like less springy yeah, it's it's really weird, but no, Homer, I, I think it's just really just the, the way in which the college game is headed. I mean, we saw it this year, you know, all year at the Division One level and, and really at all levels with homers being up across the board. And guys were using – some guys were using hot bats, um, the, and some of these yards are absolute launch pads. But <laughs> down here, it's really like YD is kind of – for those listening familiar, it's like Maryland's ballpark in, in college where it's really shallow and in short dimensions all across the yard, most notably to dead center, which I think is 365 or so, um, yeah. give or take 10 to 15 feet. Um, but Heinz, I mean, Heinz has shown off his raw power at all these fields. Uh, I think the most majestic one he hit this year was in Ketuit, um, turned on a fastball and, and hit it over the trees and right, which – the trees aren't right over the field. They're probably no. 30 feet back from the bullpen. And he put it over, he cleared the trees fairly easily. So um it's in the beach. Yeah, I, I know. He hit it to loop beach. And then with with Mathis, I know he's quickly turning into a personal cheese ball of yours, I think, and rightfully so. Yes. Um, he had a great year at college at Charleston, but has really established himself in my mind as a top three or so round prospect. Um with the Cavaliers, he's he's hitting 322 with nine doubles and 10 home runs easy easy backspin to all fields um really explosive hands at the plate and then on the mound he was up to 96 the other night 
this curveball is flash plus. I mean, he can he can do both. Um, he's he's not just a thrower on the mound. He knows how to pitch, and I think he is a really really interesting follow um, for the 2024 draft. And kind of thinking of how high he could go, there's an absolute chance he could go on day one for sure. But I think after this summer, he is firmly a top a top three round draft type of guy. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I think you know the thing with math is that. I think sets him apart from Hines and some of these other power hitters we've seen in the Cape in recent years. It's the barrel control. Um, he's really short to the ball, but, you know, went out and like sort of hit like a, a low breaking ball the other day and kind of threw his bat out at it. Um, and showed like some hitter traits that a lot of power hitters won't necessarily do that. And he's got sort of the raw strength and power in his hands and, and strong wrist to be able to sort of, push stuff like that, you know, into the outfield. Um, not a lot of guys can do that, especially at that age. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's not super fast and <laughs> those lines, but the fact that he's able to pitch, uh, I do think there's some athleticism there. Um, certainly, you know, projects for um, more power, I think, even as he ages. Um, so he's a really interesting player just because of that combination of feel the hit and, you know, barrel accuracy um, and power. So, He's someone that's that's stuck out for me across a bunch of different looks. So, yeah, absolutely is uh, certainly one of my my personal cheese balls. And the fact that he can pitch and be effective and throw strikes and get some some strikeouts, I think, is uh, also impressive. Though I don't necessarily think that's going to be a big part of uh, who he is as a professional. I think you're probably going to go forward with a bat there. Um, let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to talk about some of the top performers over the last week in the Cape. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, and we are back. Um, I think this is probably the part of the show where we'll wax poetic about Travis Manzana again for a minute. <laughs> but um, over the last six games, so seven-game stretch here, He's 16 for 28 with 12 runs scored. He's top in hits. He's top in runs. Uh, has three doubles in the week as well, which is you know good enough for second. A um, couple home runs like we talked about. Uh, and then from an RBI standpoint, nine RBIs. He's behind a couple of guys. Cole Mathis uh, tied with his teammate Hurley. And then um, someone who kind of broke out this week for Ketuit, uh after joining on in late July, and that is uh, – Bucknell infielder Sean Keyes. Keyes had a big week, too. Um, do you want to say anything about Benzano? We've already talked a ton about him. Or do you want to talk a little bit about Sean Keyes and the week that he had? I was going to say, this is kind of the hot sheet preview segment, I guess. But It kind of is a little bit, yeah. It's 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 got some, some overlap because of the seven-day period. So there's still three more days that we'll record in this, this hot sheet. So it could wipe away some of this. But... These are the top performers of the last seven days, and I think it's worthy to at least chat about them a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, just to kind of isolate the week that Bazana had, I know we talked about the individual game against Katuit and then the multi-hit efforts, but to to kind of put it in perspective, as Jeff said, I mean, he's going six, racking up 16 hits across six games is an incredible feat up here. And then, I mean, he's also hitting for power. Um, and he's gotten into his game power rather easily with three doubles, two home runs. Um, he's, he, I mean, he can drive the ball in either gap. The exit velocities across the board have been really, really impressive. Um, we could go on and on about him. But a guy that broke out was, again, you touched upon it, was Sean Keyes. Uh, he went 12 for 26, three doubles, three home runs. Probably most notably were, the, were his 15 RBIs. Um across his first seven games played. I mean, like if you go to the, to the league leaders in stats now um, he's kind of right in the middle of the pack for RBI total of guys that are still here. Um, He recorded a hit in his first, each of his first six games um, hit a home run in three of his first five um, hit a grand slam. And it's just the second game against YD and then followed it up with, he kind of, a Doran Park special, I guess you could say, down the <laughs> down the right field line. So, again, to kind of if, for any listener that has not been there, um, it's a pretty big park, really from left all down the left field line all the way around, and then right when you get to the right field line, the right field foul pole, it kind of juts in, and I think they listed it three hundred down the line. And I mean, he hit a fly ball, and off the bat, I mean, 
you kind of it, it had f9 written all over it and then you're kind of watching it's like is this going to stay fair and then it literally just plops right over the fence right in front of the foul pole for a for, for a not so deep home run and then i'd say his most titanic and majestic blast was um a couple of days ago against hyannis he got a slider and a two strike count it hung up a little bit and the wind was blown out, but he didn't need any of the wind. It it was it was midway up the trees in right center. So he's he's been a huge help to that Katua team in the last week and and the 15 RBI, no matter what he does in the next three days, I think that that alone will probably get him on the hot sheet. And then as you mentioned, Turley and Mathis are each are each having stellar weeks of their own. And then not to get lost is um in the shuffle a bit with the I guess lack of power, maybe. Um, is John John Gazdar at Hyannis, um, bat to ball specialist. He, he is a very low strikeout guy, uh, no swing and miss, swing, swing dishes. The swing decisions are really good. All this guy does is move the baseball and get on base. And he's got multi hit, he's got multiple hits in four of his last five games. And on the week, he's 11 for 19 with a double, five RBI. Um, and he's played really good defense at shortstop. So kind of like a Z for Falmouth. Uh, Hyannis has their, has their mid-major guy of their own with, with Gazdar out of Austin P. He made a couple of plays a few days ago that I was really impressed with. He went deep in the hole, kind of made a Jeter-esque uh, throw and a really good bid. And it was an infield single, but um, he almost nabbed an above-average runner in, in Trey Younger. So um Great week for Gazdar, and then kind of rounding it out, Grant Hussey and uh, Kevin Keister for Wareham and Harwich, respectively. Also solid weeks. Hussey in particular with, you know, he's 11 for 23, 478, three doubles, two home runs, and eight RBI, and that the biggest swing was a grand slam a few days ago. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at Hussey, he is a massive kid. He's every bit of 6'3", 225. I'd say it's strong six, borderline seven raw power, a little bit of swing and miss. I, I maybe a little bit of selling it short. There's some swing and miss to his game, um, but when he when he gets it, it really goes. And he's he's been getting it the last week, and and it it shows in his stats. So those are kind of the most notable hitters. And then with, I mean, the pitching now, like <laughs> at this stage in the game, I don't even know if we were like we, that was the path we're going to get down, but. Uh, the pitching is, it's kind of shoddy, I'd say at, at this stage, um, in the game, but, uh, Finnegan wall turned in a really good start for YD, uh, YD's pitching has really stepped up lately. Um, I think, and then some of these guys, um, I'd say Richard Jameson had a pretty good start, um, on Monday, he'll go against you guys, I think tonight, actually sort of like a repeat, but went five innings. I mean, struck out nine, didn't walk anybody three hits allowed one earned run, um, you know, against obviously a powerful Katuit lineup on the road. Um, thought that was a pretty good start. Like the stuff isn't, uh, insane. He gets a ton of hop in this fastball, but it's like 90 to 92, <laughs> you know, um, you know, with a, a couple of breaking ball shapes and a changeup. So Jameson had a good, a good start. The other guy I was going to ask you about, um, if I could was Tristan Smith, of uh clemson he's a 2024 eligible left-hander um south carolina native 
He had a pretty good start last week against Wareham. He faces off against them tonight in Worcester. So I'm actually going to see Tristan Smith for the first time. Um, any sort of insight there? I don't know if, if you saw him. I know he uh, faced off against Katoot, had a pretty good start back in the 17th of July. Yeah, I mean, I th- that'll be a good get. He's definitely worth it. Um, athletic left-hander, kind of a relievery look when I saw him. Um, he's up to 93, 94 in the first. It fell off a little bit. Um, sprayed the fastball in the first, especially kind of throughout the outing. The command was a little shoddy. Um, and he throw he relies really, really heavily on his fastball. I think it's a pitch he throws 75 to 80% of the time. And then he supplements it with kind of a shorter slider, um, that still needs some refining and retooling. Um, but he'll get off a couple of above average sliders. And I think the key for him is just going to be the command and reducing traffic on the bases because fastball's got a ton of carry through the zone. Um, it plays really well, especially when it's elevated. Um, and he'll, he, I mean, he can pitch, but he can pitch with his fastball, which I think is a key trait um, to both right and left-handed hitters. Um, and then I think navigating this Wareham lineup, I think it's a friendly matchup for him. And I mean, we saw it on July 24th when he threw five no-hit innings. Um, but I think that he knows what he's going to get. He's comfortable facing them. And as he's done all summer and it's worked for him, um, is he's just going to rely on the heater and get and, and pitch with his fastball and say, here it is, you know, try and hit it. And guys haven't been able to so far. And on the summer, two ERA and 18 innings, which is really impressive. And then 26 Ks to seven walks. So, I mean, in looking at the stats, it doesn't necessarily scream command issues, but um, in watching him pitch, now that I say this, he'll probably go out and, show five innings down my throat with uh, no walks and, and nine punchies, but um, <laughs> he'll, he'll get any deep counts. He'll have to dig himself out of some holes sometime, sometimes. Um, but again, he is a, he is a true freshman and, and kind of figuring out the kinks. But in my look, I kind of saw really effective uh, late inning power reliever. Um, but again, uh, I'm interested to see what you think. And then circling back a little bit to Fisher Jamison, guy that didn't throw a bunch uh, this year for Florida. Um, and, and this summer is, has really blossomed in Brewster and uh, against Katuit. I think, as you mentioned, the fastball has got a lot of carry to it, but he hides the ball really well, throws from a, a tough, true over the top North South slot. Um, and I, I think that what he lacks I guess maybe in pure stuff he makes more in, in both I'd say pitch sequencing, whoever the catcher was that day. I think it was Ike Irish. Yeah. Um, He called a really good game. I don't know if Brewster calls their own games or not, but if they did kudos to Ike Irish. Um, But he also tunnels his offerings really well. At least that day um, he tunneled them really well. I mean, the, the slider has a ton of late break to it. And I mean, it looks like a fastball for the first 55, 56 feet. Um, And then he threw his change up to both right and left-handed hitters. Um, six, five, two, 20. Um, I'll get another look at him today. And on the summer he's, he's been, I mean, really, really respectable and, and, and probably at this point, I'd say one of, if not Brewster's best arm, um, yeah. 15 innings, 20 Ks to six walks, just 10 hits allowed. Hasn't allowed more than four hits in an outing since his opening appearance against Harwich. Um, and then since then, the most he's allowed, it was three against that against Katuit on July 24th, but I mean, he, he dominated that Katua team. Um, they had no answer. Nine K's um, was by far his most on the year. 
and um, I'm sure he's excited to get him again. So um, I don't know how much he'll pitch today as guys try and line pitchers up for the playoffs. Um, So, I mean, we'll see about that. Go maybe three innings or one trip through the order, uh, 50 pitches, whatever it might be. But um, he's, he's had himself a summer. For sure. The last guy I wanted to ask you about, um, haven't seen this guy, but had big start uh, against Orleans on the 24th, went six shutout innings, allowed six hits, struck out seven with no walks. That's uh, Jason Doktorzik from Nevada, 6'6 righty. I think he pitched against Katuit uh, on the 2nd of July, actually. Yeah, Dr. Chick. Um, is that what it is, Dr. Chick? Chick? <laughs> That's how I say it. Again, I could be wrong. Um, but he was, he's got a really interesting path. He was a Juco guy, went to Nevada. Um, he, he had a really good start to his year and then, you know, maybe got hit around, but I mean, he was always a strike thrower up to 95 with a, with a slider that kind of, you know, had a a ton of sweeping action was above average. Um, and then kind of his coming out party was, was his start against Orleans, his first and only start so far this summer with the six shutout innings and seven K's. Um, he's been up to 93, 94 this summer. Again, that slider went on as above average. Um, every, nothing is straight with him. It's got some natural arm side run and sink. And um, the changeup also plays well off his fastball. And, and he's had a great summer for Coach Pickler. 290 RA, 24 Ks and 24 and two-thirds with 10 walks. Um, and I think that he's going to be an arm that they rely pretty heavily on as we head into the postseason. Yeah, for sure. Um, another interesting sort of player there popping up a little late. So I guess all is not lost with the arms <laughs> in the pitching, though it's been obviously a down year for pitching overall. But, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up nicely. I think our plan is to do maybe a preview of the playoffs on Thursday. So we'll have another Cape Cod pod for you this week. And then the final sort of full Regular season hot sheet will be out on Thursday as well. Uh, catching all the games, we kind of timed it perfectly when we made the switch to Thursdays because that way, uh, we'll catch all the final games here as uh, we go through some of the top players in the league over the last uh week. So then it will be time to rank out, uh, rank out our top 50 and write up reports and do all that fun stuff. But uh, been a pretty good summer. I'm hoping to get at least another game or two when I get back. Uh, maybe a semifinal game and some championship action. So it's winding down for me, you know, just a handful of games, uh, maybe more for you, you know, maybe eight, nine, right at, at max, but uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, should be a good, good couple of weeks, good playoff series, um, strong end of the season. We'll see if Katuit is able to surpass uh, 2016 Chatham's home run record. But uh, for Jeff Ponce, for Peter Flaherty, this has been the Cape Cod Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.